Thank you, choir. What a promise to know that he lives. And he lives within my heart. I hope that that's where he's living in each of our hearts today, in each of our lives, in our hearts. <clears throat> well, last Sunday we talked, of course, about the, about the resurrection and the empty tomb. And, and I want to want to uh, steer us in a, along those same lines except we want to look at what took place after the resurrection what, what what's going on now after the resurrection Jesus has left uh, he, he of course came back to life he rose from the grave and yet still still people were a little skeptical about even believing him even though he was revealing himself to many people. And uh, we want to see uh, what's going on here. I've entitled the message this morning, An Unforgettable Encounter. An Unforgettable Encounter. Have you ever said, I'll never forget that as long as I live? You said that before? I'll never forget it as long as I live. And I'd like for us to look together at, and I'll never forget that as long as I live moment, as we look at an unforgettable encounter. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And find verse number... 13. If you read verses 1 to 12, of course, it's just a, uh, it's just the, the resurrection story again, uh, told from Luke's perspective. But since we talked about the resurrection last week, let's skip on down to verse 13 and follow along. I, I need to read all of this, uh, so we can understand exactly what's going on here. Um, now keep in mind, Jesus has has come out of the grave. He's he's alive. And he's trying to convince people that he's alive. He's trying to prove to people that, yes, this is really me. Verse 13. Be reading from the NIV. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Now, everything that had happened. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what it's talking about in verse 14. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along them, uh, along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Put yourself in, in those, in those two disciples, uh, uh, footsteps. They were walking down the road and, and, and talking about the things that have taken place and all of a sudden, Jesus appears with them. Verse 17, Jesus asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have been happened, that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and, and our rulers handed him over uh, to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. 
But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Verse 22. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do you, why do doubts arise in your minds? Look at my hands. And my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you have, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe, uh, believe, believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead. And on the third day, on the third day, And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you uh, what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then verse 50. When he had led them out to the village, uh, to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The word of the Lord. 
Lord, as we as we look back over this passage, I pray now that you would speak to us, that you would show us, God, what it is you want us to learn uh, here this morning. Lord, uh, prove yourself to us. Lord, Lord, show us over and over again that you're real. Lord, that you're alive. Lord, that you love us. God, that you care for us. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, every week we say the Apostles' Creed, don't we? And some some have that memorized, and you've been saying that uh, for years and years. And I'll be honest, for me, when, when I first came here, that was something new for me. I'd heard the Apostles' Creed, uh, uh, you know, in my life. But never was it a, a was it a part of every service, uh, and I have come I have come to love the Apostles' Creed and what it stands for, and how we it says how we affirm reaffirm our faith together. But when we say that, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and a part of that says what the third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and where is he seated? He sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And we say that joyfully, don't we? We, we, we believe it with all of our heart. As I was thinking about those particular lines in the Apostles' Creed this week, and as I read another verse of Scripture, I began to think, boy... Wouldn't it be nice if that scripture were added to the Apostles' Creed? Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Listen to this. To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Presented himself by many infallible proofs. Why was Jesus doing what he was doing, church? Why did he remain on earth for 40 days after he came out of the grave? Why didn't he just go back into heaven like he did 40 days later? Well, there are a couple of reasons. It says he presented himself by many infallible proofs. One of the reasons Jesus did did this was in order to give the apostles that he was leaving behind not only confidence to preach Christ crucified, but for them to preach Christ raised from the grave. Forty days. The time between Jesus, from Jesus, when Jesus came out of the grave until the time he went back into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. So for 40 days he walked the earth and, and, and came in contact with different people and, and groups of people providing convincing proof that he was who he said he was. So back to 24, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 27. And, and, and remember those two disciples as they, they were going and walking down the road and, and they had an an amazing encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ after the resurrection, post-resurrection, as they were on their way to Jerusalem to a little town called Emmaus. 
And we've heard that story. But I think what's really interesting is what happened as these disciples rushed back to Jerusalem to share what had happened to them. And I really think we need to get this. We need to, to, to under, understand exactly what's going on here and the excitement that these disciples and others felt. If you go back in, in John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, talking about resurrection Sunday morning, uh, evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews. Now, now just imagine this. Let's pretend that we're there. That we're all locked inside this sanctuary this morning. We're all locked. The doors are locked. Nobody can get in. Back door, front doors. Nobody can get in. And all of a sudden, in the midst, who appears? Jesus. Some people still believe that he's still in the tomb. This can't be him. What in the world's going on? Prove yourself to me, Jesus. And what does this, what did the scripture say that uh, that I just read? He said, "Look." At first, he said, "Peace be with you." Peace be with you. He said, "Okay, if you don't believe it, just just look at my hands. Look at my feet. Maybe if he was wrapped in some linen or whatever." He said, "Look, look at the side." Where that spear went into me. It, it, I am. It, it is really me. What an experience. What an encounter. Well, Jesus, through all of this, I believe, is showing us three very simple yet profound gifts that he gave them that he gives us today. First is the gift of assurance. The gift of assurance, being sure that Christ really did rise from the grave, that he is alive and, and seated at the right hand of God the Father, even as we speak right now, church, praying and interceding on our behalf, and that he will one day come back and judge and rule the earth, will, should, ought to fill our lives with peace and joy and hope and meaning. Should it not? You see, many people have been crushed by his suffering and the death on the cross. But Jesus offered them proof of his resurrection. Look at those two questions in verse 38. It says, uh, verse 38, if I can find it. There it is. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your minds? I am who I said I am. I wonder today, have we accepted those proofs? Have we truly accepted that with great joy that Jesus is alive? Folks, if Jesus were not alive, guess what? There would really be no need for us to be here today. Will we accept from His nail-scarred hands the assurance that He's alive? 
The, uh, another gift I think we need to be aware of, and he showed and, and gave these disciples and, and those that he came in contact with for those 40 days, and he, and he tells us as well, and gives to us, a clear understanding of what the Bible really means. As Jesus was talking to these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he, he was reminding them of his previous teachings before his death on the cross. Uh, verse number 27, it said, uh, flip back to 27 there, it said, um, and beginning with Moses, Jesus, I can see him now as he's walking. By. Say, 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 look, guys, listen. I want to take you back to the Old Testament. I want to take you back to Moses, beginning with Moses. And, and I want to talk to you about him and, and what he did and, and remind you. And then let's talk a little bit about the prophets. And then I'll even take you to some of the Psalms and show you how all of this had to happen. And all of this had to take place. What he was saying was this. By the words and by Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, he he was telling us this, that the Old Testament was witness to his life, to his teachings, to his death, to his resurrection. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan said of this verse, Jesus disentangled their minds, meaning that he completely opened and completely cleared their minds. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, began to give it to him. Look at 31. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. It's almost like Jesus had given them uh, a, a brand new Bible, if you will, as far as their under, understanding was concerned. Uh, when, when, it, when it begins... Church, when it begins to dawn on us that Genesis through Revelation is all about Jesus from start to finish. It began with Him. It will end with Him. And that should give us a whole new outlook. It should give us an eagerness to, to dig in and to, and to discover God on every single page that we read. A once liberal Presbyterian preacher said, and I quote, I began to read the Bible as if it were all true. And one day I realized that it was. Listen to what happened. And my life and ministry has been transformed. You see what will happen? God will transform our life when we allow Him to speak to us through this book. And thirdly, a great promise and a great task. That's another gift. A great promise and a great task. You know, I, I hope that you have seen that the message is very, very clear. That Christ suffered, that, that He died, that He was buried, that He was raised again. According to the Scriptures. We read that passage last week. And He did all that so that... Okay, he did, get this, get this transition. He did all that in order for this to take place. So that we might preach repentance and remission of sin to all the nations. Look at verse 45. Then he opened their minds 
so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Look at 47. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Beginning right where you are. What a message to us. That we're to preach it. Christ crucified. Christ risen from the grave. We're to preach it right where we are. The wonderful truths about Christ. About his life. His teachings. His death, His resurrection. All of this is God's plan of salvation for us. Can I say this to us as we close? The message has been given to us. We have the message. And guess what? There has also been given to us us a task that goes along with the message. And the task is to make Him known. To make Him known. It's obvious that people are not waiting in line to get in these three doors every Sunday morning. Neither neither is that the case at any other church this way or that way. As I thought about that, I began to think, That that makes your and my calling and election even more important. Even more serious about telling the story of Jesus and His love. You think that's why Jesus gave His disciples the great commission that we find in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. That tells us that we're to go into all nations. Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, to the uttermost parts of the earth. You think he, you think it was just put there by accident? I don't think so. I think it was intentionally put there for not only at that time, but for our time as well. You don't remember this, but back in 2015, I read something that I brought back from one of our, it was from, um, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church stated clerk, Dr. Jeff Jeremiah. And this is what he said. He's called us to be that part of his church that is carrying out his great commission as Presbyterian, Reformed, Evangelical, and Missional congregations. We're convinced That this is what he wants us to do. To the glory of God. The EPC family aspires to be a global movement of congregations. Get this. Engaged together in God's mission through transformation, multiplication, and effective biblical leadership. Embodying Jesus' love to our neighbors near and far. And my friend... That's what the EPC is all about. 
My friend, not only is the EPC all about that, but any Protestant church that is serious about the gospel and about people getting saved, that's what they're all about. I'm glad to be a part of that. The message is clear. The task is clear. So our job stands before us to make it known. Are you willing to make it known? Are you willing to make it known? Not only in the inside of these walls, but outside of these four walls. It's our responsibility as believers. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for how you have shown us. The Lord, many, many years ago that you presented the message. You gave those disciples and apostles the, a task to do. And Lord, that has been handed down from generation to generation. And then, Lord God, it is before us. And I pray, I pray that we would take it serious, that we would reach out, that we would, would be your ambassadors, not only at church, but in our schools, in our jobs, in our communities, in our families. So, Lord, challenge our hearts as you did the disciples many years ago, to go out, to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn of dedication is number 301. Let's stand as we sing. <clears throat>